All right, guys, we've made our way from Bradenton, went up to Greensboro, up to Altoona. Now we're going across. You're going to start hearing some names here that you're going to be wanting to pay attention to coming into the season because, I mean, a decent amount of them uh, could be a part of the Pirates in 2023. I'm talking about the Circle City. We're going to the Vic. If anybody hasn't been there, man, that is a beautiful, beautiful ballpark. Bringing in Jack McMullen from the Indianapolis Indians, Just Baseball Media, off of covering the World Baseball Classic with his boys down there. Did a great job and got to see some exciting baseball. Jack, how you doing today, brother? All good, man. Th thank you so much for having me. I, I told you right when I hopped on that I slept – but 12 hours. I, I landed at 8.33. I was in my bed at 9.15, and I got out of bed at 9.15. So I was <laughs> operating at about 2% through that final. But, you know, I'm not typically the one to, like, get, get corny or, like, over-sentimental about the game because, you know, we, we watch the game all the time, right? It's It's those brief moments that, like, remind you why you love it and why you do this. That Otani Trout at bat during the WBC final was uh, that reminder, like why we want to be around baseball, because it was so cool. Um, really, really lucky to be in Miami. I would say if you are a baseball fan, regardless of um, how strong your passion is for the game, if you are, you know, like a, a casual watcher, you watch a game a week, or you are a diehard where you're keeping tabs every night, put the World Baseball Classic at the top of your bucket list for 2026, because that is an experience that I, I have never felt in any other sporting event that I've been to. Yeah. And for people, I mean, there was, it wasn't even teams that you maybe even had a, a vested rooting interest in like a, a Mexico, Puerto Rico game, you know, you know who, you know, Randy Arrazarena is, but yeah. you know, you don't realize like I, how he got to be part of the Mexican team and, and just the stories that are behind that you have, you know, Lars Newtbar out there in the outfield for Japan and just a lot of just different cool stories, a lot of different cool storylines. Uh, I had set my uh, 11 year old son up to bed and I, I go upstairs and he's underneath the covers with his iPad uh, watch still watching it. And I was like, dude, you know what? Let's just throw it on the TV in your room and, and we'll just watch the rest of this game. And it was, Dude, it was just—it was just so exciting. I mean, I, just a baseball fan. I mean, I, maybe it's not. I mean, everybody's just like, I mean, I cheer for the Pirates, but I also cheer for just just good baseball and just good storylines, man. Man, so in the World Cup, you adopt a country, right? Because the U.S. is only going to make it so far in the World Cup, and in Pulisic, great. But you know, when you get to the final, like you got to choose a France or an Argentina because that's just a great soccer game. You got to watch it. In the World Baseball Classic, it was great that the United States made it all the way to the title game. And, you know, you can absolutely cheer on the U.S. But how can you not fall in love, deeper in love with Randy Arozarena in, in the big moment, right? That robbing of a home run and left in the semi against Japan was just a crazy, crazy moment. And it was it was like an of course sensation. Of course, Randy Arozarena. <laughs> um, and, and then you've got these guys that, you know, you've heard of, but you've never seen, like Aroki Sasaki starts a game with a 102-mile-an-hour fastball. What are we doing here? Like, that is <laughs> baseball at its best, and I think everybody can buy into that. And you got to see some of the brightest stars, and 
as somebody that got to watch a lot of Rowanzi Contreras starts last year, it's really fun to watch Ro start a game in that tournament. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. We've been, like I said, I've I've gone through the through the gamut. This is the last in the in the preview series. We have, you know, baseball on the horizon here. You can see down below if you're watching. Uh, on YouTube or Facebook or whatever it's on, you can see where the, you know, those opening days for the minor leagues are, are definitely coming up. But we've also been talking about the trickle trickle up and trickle down effect. And this one uh, with Indianapolis is is definitely a lot more of the, the trickle down. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing guys being, and I hate to use this word. It's, it's a football term. People say, oh, you know, cut from the, the the major league spring training no they they're reassigned or they're yeah. optioned you know yeah. this is you know where they were going to be some of the guys you know you were hoping would be able to make the big league club but that's going to give you jack that's going to give you some exciting baseball players to watch i mean you want to see them up with the pirates but you know andy rodriguez uh luis ortiz um, how are you you're talking about like a fastball you know luis ortiz could come out and possibly be the opening day starter down there and pump out a 102 mile per hour fastball. So it's, it's going to be like, before we jumped on here, we were trying to figure out, you know, just talking through the rotation a little bit. I, on the, this most recent episode of a bucks in the basement, the regular one, I Jason Mackey on, and looks like uh, Carmen Majinski, you know, going to possibly be, and and probably going to be a bullpen arm. Like how exciting is like having a guy of that caliber who, people had in their starting rotations of the future is going to be coming out of the bullpen and is going to be instead of pumping it, you know, 93 to 95, it's going to be pumping at 97, 98, good movement. I, uh, who are you uh, looking to see uh, in Indianapolis this year that possibly could make the jump up to uh, the pirates in, in fairly short order? Yeah, a hundred percent. And a guy like that, if Majinski does go to the bullpen, I could see him there for a month. And if he's great in the bullpen for a month, you know, everybody needs good relief arms. Like that's a guy that could make that jump immediately. There are some others, you know, I, I assume that we'll get Colin Selby in the bullpen. And that's, that's a lefty that I'm sure could be up very, very soon. He's triple digits with a nasty slider, but some of these starters, I wouldn't necessarily call them understudies because they, they have a much higher ceiling than some of the guys in the big league rotation. And I, I love the way you clarified that right they're not cut they're reassigned or optioned there are going to be battles that go through the last couple days of spring training 
And just because you start in Indianapolis does not necessarily mean that you lost the battle. It's a strong showing, and it may result in a major league call-up. My mind goes back to Bly Madris from a year ago, right? Bly had an amazing spring. He was there until the very end. Looked like there was a chance that he could break camp, and then he doesn't. He's awesome in Indy, and he gets a good month in the major leagues, and now it looks like he may be a part of, of what the Houston Astros are trying to do this year. Albeit a minor part, but a part nonetheless. So, you know, there are guys that are auditioning for auditions. And then there are top prospects that are so close to being at the door ready to open it that you can hear the knock. And I think those guys are Luis Ortiz and Mike Burroughs, for sure. Burroughs was kind of dealing with some, I, I wouldn't call them endurance issues, but you, you saw a different Mike Burroughs in the fifth than you saw innings one through four. So if that guy, he ups his endurance and he's strong through five, strong through six in the first couple of months of the season, I think Mike Burroughs could be a guy that you see getting strikeouts at the major league level. And then we know Luis Ortiz can do that. Brief cameo with the Pirates at the major league level last year. He struggled with command, but this was a guy that was rolling ground balls ad nauseum because he's got a heavy 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He was showing that in Altoona. He comes to Indy. And I do think he popped to 102 in Omaha when they were on the road. So, I mean, like there's so much talent that we're going to see on the hill, both in the starting rotation and with a guy like Selby or Majinski in the bullpen. Uh, that is incredibly exciting. And I think in, in previous years, especially in Indianapolis, you've had, I wouldn't say you've had more of like those depth veteran, uh, I wouldn't say fillers, but just that, the guys that have made it to the majors spent a lot of time uh, probably in AAA, the journeyman. Um, and I don't see as much of that, you know, moving into this season. It looks like that these are, you know, pirates prospects and it, it may be guys that they traded for maybe guys that they've developed throughout their system. But I mean, there's, I looked at, and I, I try to make my roster out as, as realistic as possible, but yeah. I'm looking and it's maybe like a, you know, a, a Chavez young uh, might be a guy that, you know, starts in Indianapolis, but even him, it has some major league uh, ability there, but I just wanted to get to like, we're talking about the starting rotation stick with that for just a second. A yep. lot of this is going to depend on a guy who by the time that everybody watches this and everybody, you know, listens to this, when this comes out, you know, Friday video, Saturday uh, morning for the audio, I uh, Oviedo is going to have made, you know, a start. I believe it's like today when we're recording on Thursday that could have a, a, a fairly large impact on what goes on, you know, with that Indianapolis rotation, we had uh, John Moses on, as I said, and, we were talking about, man, is, is Kyle Nicholas going to have to start in Altoona because they're putting, you know, bumping Oviedo down, or is he going to be, you know, are they going to do a six-man rotation? So there's, like, a lot that still has to be done within this last week here. Yes, 100%. And Oviedo, I'm curious, like, where the opening is in the rotation, right? Because you've got Keller, you've got Rowanzi, you've got Rich Hill, you've got Brubaker. And then Velasquez probably slated in as the five. So it probably comes down to a competition of Velasquez, who signed a major league free agent deal, and Johan Oviedo, who still has options remaining. So I would assume it's Velasquez to start. And we were just talking about this before we started recording. Velasquez to start. And if somebody wows in triple, maybe an Oviedo who's already 25 years old and has proven that he can get outs 
at the big league level, maybe he's the one that jumps. Interesting about Oviedo, you look at his career splits with the Cardinals um, in starts. I think he's a four and a half ERA guy out of the bullpen. He's a mid twos guy. So he was a great reliever. He is a fine starter. I think the Pirates are probably hoping that he turns into a good starter because obviously a good starter trumps value of a great reliever. Um, This is probably like the final chance for Oviedo to be that true starting pitcher. And obviously things would work out wonderfully if he was a starting pitcher. But if not, I think you know that you got a great bullpen arm in that Quintana deal. So it may honestly be a touch and feel process. Maybe Oviedo comes out of the pen a couple times. He could be a swing man. And I think you could maybe slap Oviedo on that opening day roster as that swing man type. Yeah, and last year we saw you know Dwayne Underwood Jr. go down super early. We see Rowanzi Contreras called up, and he starts out the year, you know, in that that long relief, you know, bullpen role, and that could be, you know, a, an option for Oviedo to to not you know use him as you know the one to two inning guy, but to to right. at least be able to like let him stretch his legs a little bit, and and you also don't we talked about you know don't want to you know wear down those arms, if you go for the six man rotation, then you, how many, you know, bullpen arms, you know, Oviedo could be like almost like the default, you know, if somebody gets into trouble or gets, you know, unfortunately injured in the early innings that he would still be able to come in and pitch three, four, you know, five innings. And a lot of people call it like, you know, the, the, the safety role or the, you know, the swing man or the piggyback or, you know, whatever it would be. But I, I do think that there's a place on that. But if he ends up going down to Indianapolis, it definitely does make things interesting, especially with Ortiz down there, with Priester, Kyle Nicholas. And you talk about like a Burroughs, like you have Ortiz and Oviedo possibly, as of right now, if you look at the depth chart, like a- ahead of him. So it's going to take like injuries, trades, all this kind of stuff for these guys uh, to work their way up to the majors. And, and that's really not a bad thing either. No, it's not a bad thing at all. And, you know, I I think the buzz term is service time, right? Like you look at these guys and, you know, Pittsburgh's buying time. I don't think that's what they did with O'Neill Cruz last year. I don't think that's what they're doing with Endy this year. I think they actually do want to see these guys iron out some things before they get up to the major league level. Uh, Selfishly, I'm ecstatic that these guys need (laughs) to iron out at the minor league level. So, yeah, man, I, I do think that some of these guys could be major league ready, but there are some certain tweaks and there's enough traffic up top that can limit their their major league look. So, you know what, a, a guy like Luis Ortiz, do you want him starting two games and then getting on a flight to Indy when Velasquez is good? Um, or do you just want him in Indy for the first month making cons- consistent starts, being a constant presence in a clubhouse getting acclimated and pitching at his best before getting that call up. I think there's something to be said about comfortability. You ask all these guys, they'd rather be in Pittsburgh than Indy, but this is the last stop. And this is what what I like to refer to as finishing school for these guys. How do you perfect your craft at finishing school? And I think for Burroughs, you know, it's clear like, Hey, continue to master that changeup, fastball location, how do you get you know righties out? How do you get lefties out? For Ortiz, it's show me command across five innings. For Oviedo, you know it may be show me success across five innings. Uh, a bunch of guys like that. I think there is 
a big question that can be answered by these guys in one or two months. And after that, maybe it's just a waiting game to get the call to Pittsburgh. And I think it, it goes, you know, I almost have to mention, like when, when people talk about minor league baseball, they talk about like, the most difficult jumps or the most difficult places to adjust. Yeah. Um, it used to be, you know, coming out of, you know, if you went from the FCL and then coming into Bradenton, it, you know, now you hear about like coming from, you know, h- higher low A and coming to Altoona, but that jump from, you know, triple A to the, to the majors it's no joke. I mean, there's guys that can be the most successful triple a hitters, pitchers or whatever. And, and they get on that big stage and they just aren't able to transition what they were doing. It's, it's a huge jump. Yeah. I mean, I think it is the, I think that's like the niche hipster non mainstream thing to do to say, Oh, the biggest jump is from high A to double. No, the biggest jump is from triple A to the major leagues because you're going from, you know, maybe a really good prospect to facing Jacob deGrom, to, to facing Max Scherzer. Like, Max Scherzer is so exponentially better than the best pitcher that you will see at AAA. It's not even close. So the jump is from the minor leagues to the major leagues. Now, I understand where people are coming from high A to double uh, because, you know, at high A, and I, I was in Fort Wayne for, for a season. I, I was supposed to be there two seasons, but 2020 is uh, the year we shall not speak of, I'm sure. But um, yeah, in 2021, it was okay, 89 to 90, and guys know where it's going, or it's 96, 97, and they have no idea where it's going. In double, the change is 96, 97, but these guys know where it's going. Triple A, that to the nth degree. And then in the major leagues, you've got 100 mile an hour splinkers from Johan Duran, and he knows exactly where it's going. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's that massive jump. I think it is more shell shocking for hitters um but pitchers you know you go from dealing with a a dyron blanco in omaha to a mike trout in in anaheim and and even if you keep it in the division you know you're dealing with a a dansby swanson or you're dealing with a joey Votto. those guys have been around the block they know how to hit absolutely everybody so yeah i'm with you like that jump is something that you need to almost be overly prepped for yeah, because you go from getting the swing and miss on a, a slider that you don't, you know, pinpoint correctly to a, a major league hitter just pretty much spitting on it yes. out of your hand because they know it's not getting in the zone like whatsoever. It's right. it there is just such a big adjustment. And and when we're talking about let's just go to the trickle down and we've talked about the pitching staff. I mean, the outfield at this point in time, you have a Kanan Smith and Jigba, you have you know, a Travis Swaggerty uh, playing well out there. Uh, One of these guys, if not both, I mean, we're going to have to see how it plays out, you know, could be starting um, in Indianapolis. And then you go across and you've got, you know, Matt Gorski. (laughs) You've got all of these players that you're going to have to find spots for in the outfield. And I mean, I don't know if things have changed at the Vic at all, but I'm pretty sure there's only three outfield spots um, available there. We don't have that Rover. We're not playing, you know, church league softball. There's only three spots for all of these guys. Well, I saw a slam ball is coming back, which is the basketball on trampolines. So I I think we're actually putting some trampolines in the outfield. (laughs) So that's the only change, but still three guys. Yeah. I there's going to need to be space for them. And, you know, not even to mention a guy like Cal Mitchell or how about Tuka Pita Marcano who needs to find time. And we assume that 
You know, maybe Nick Gonzalez is a triple. Maybe Leover Piguero is a triple. Orion Vallade, who they just acquired. I mean, how about a Miguel Andujar if, if that works out? You know what I mean? So there, there's so much traffic in the outfield. And, and Swaggerty's been having a great spring. You know, th- that guy, first-round pedigree, like I wouldn't be shocked if he's the one they choose. Um, but Kanan, obviously, hitting the crap out of the ball. And I love Kanan as a guy. I think anybody that has interacted or seen um, you know, an interview with Kanan Smith and Jigba immediately latches on. You know that he's got, you know, the big league mindset and he is as affable as they come. Um, I'm going to be lucky regardless. I think the Indianapolis <laughs> Indian fans are going to be lucky regardless because we're going to get three very talented guys in the outfield each night. And I hope Matt Gorski's not blocked, but he may be blocked by guys that are a little bit closer to the major leagues. I think that we are going to have four outfielders in the lineup and one of which is going to be the DH any given night. I could almost see it as like a volleyball rotation where you like move around spot by spot. Like, okay, <laughs> you're in center tonight, right tomorrow. You're DHing on, on Wednesday, that type of thing. Yeah. And it's a lot of athletic and, you know, good defense in the outfield as well. I mean, Kanan's quick, fast out there. I mean, everybody says Travis Swaggerty potential gold glove caliber, uh, we saw if he's down there at Chavez Young, we saw him, I believe he played for, what was it? He played for Great Britain, I believe, yeah, in the World Baseball Classic. Great Britain in the Times New Roman font across the chest of their jerseys. I, I don't know who approved those jerseys. I don't know it, who produced those jerseys. Because did you see the part where the guy like brushed his shirt and like I think the eye or something fell off? I'm like, man, they, they didn't know that they had to have their own jerseys like before, like at least a week before and, and then just went into production. I have no idea. Yes. That, that feels like they went to that mom and pop screen printing, you know, shirt printing spot in, in downtown Scottsdale. And it's like, Hey, <laughs> we need 40 jerseys by tomorrow. Yeah. That, that one was definitely a tough one. But even when we're talking about the infield, you mentioned Oliva Pagaro, you mentioned and Nick Gonzalez. Um, I had talked about, you know, what happens if they're going to keep like a G1 Bay more as a middle infielder and he doesn't make it out of, you know, doesn't make it up north to Pittsburgh. Then then you're going to have to find time for him. You said it to Capito Marcano. They've been giving him shots. Uh, last year he started his first game. I was at opening day in, in Altoona and he was, you know, in left field, but they've given him some more time at second base. An acquisition of a, of a Mark Mathias who – you know, was DFA'd by by the Rangers, but could definitely, you know, it's a possibility uh, that he could be down there. So it's it's just once again, there's going to be a lot of moving parts that you know come to light here uh, in the next couple weeks. And like I said, and and the big one, I mean, everybody's going to be talk about is is Endy. You know, Endy coming to to big league camp and coming with like, I'm pretty sure like four or five different gloves. Yeah. Because he was playing like multiple positions, but it, it kind of seems like that he's going to get a, a, a long stretch at a catcher and a good look at a catcher in, in Indy this year. I, I hope so. Um, Andy is a very good defensive catcher in the brief cameo that I saw. And the, the beauty of just baseball, the beauty of having baseball as the full-time gig is I, I can dive into those things at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. So yeah, I, I am very, very impressed with Andy Rodriguez, the catcher. And I know Andy Rodriguez, the first baseman, could be good. He has enough time at second base. I'm sure he could be good at that. He has enough time in a corner. I'm sure he can be good at that. He's a really good athlete. But Andy, the catcher, 
would be awesome. And, and Henry Davis, while he has a hose from behind the plate, you know, he may struggle with some of the framing things and who knows how important framing is going to be in even two years if, if automatic ball strike is implemented. But um, obviously you want the number one overall pick to be your catcher. But a guy that was flirting with a thousand OPS last year and by some outlets was the minor league hitter of the year. If he's good enough to be your catcher, he should be your catcher. So there's a serious competition there. I am very excited to watch Andy Rodriguez play baseball uh, every given day because his, you know, day off his legs may be at first base instead of on the bench. It may be DHing. This guy's bat is so good, and he is a good defensive catcher. I don't think there's anybody that is going to get in his way. I like the one-year deal for Hedges because obviously you want to see Andy mature defensively at multiple spots, you know, by Henry Davis another year. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think Andy can be excellent. And, you know, just some other names in the infield that that may be taking up space or are certainly going to take up some reps. Um, Drew Maggi, how about Chris Owings, right? Like these are guys that are triple-A dudes. So we'll see how all that shakes out. But there is certainly that trickle-down that you're talking about. Yeah, and it's – I mean, like you said, you're going to get to see some good baseball. And with with Andy, that's the other part is that, you know, if you brought him up to the Major League roster right now, just in my opinion, I mean, I'm I'm a guy who does a, a podcast from, from my basement, but I would like to see him catch every day. And if he's the Major Leagues, I don't see how that can happen – you know, from, from the jump. And it's not like he's, uh, I had talked to, to Jordan Comandia. He's the, the bullpen uh, catching coach, you know, bullpen catcher. And he just basically said that he just needs to catch, you know, good major league caliber arms. And you are talking about possibly a Johan Oviedo, a Luis Ortiz, uh, a Mike Burroughs, a priest, a priester. So, I mean, when it's like iron sharpens iron, I, I don't think that in previous years, possibly, you know, prior to the realignment, prior to the point that we are in the rebuild, it may not have been, you know, the same caliber arms. And it's not, you know, it's not a knock on the guys that were in AAA before. It's more of just praise for the guys that are there now and, and how close and how well they've been developed. I don't think that there's going to be a huge drop off. I mean, yeah, I'd like to see him catch, you know, Rich Hill more often yeah. with that giant curveball and different yeah. stuff like that and catch Ronzi and catch Mitch, but I don't see the drop off as being as as much as it was before and then also catching every day and then also possibly catching the guys that you are going to be a battery with hopefully for 3 4 five years, whatever it would be in the major leagues. Yeah. I, I mean, let, let's fast forward to when all these guys hit their first year of arbitration. So let's look at, you know, 2027, right? 27. What do you hope the starting rotation is Mitch Keller, who he won't be catching Rowanzi Contreras, who I'm sure he has experience catching in, you know, whether it be the minor leagues or uh, in spring training, things like that. But then you ID a Priester, you ID a Burroughs, and you ID a Luis Ortiz, and that would be an excellent five that you roll forward with. So, yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about Andy catching guys that he will be with for a long time. I also think sharing a clubhouse with guys that he will be with for a long time is really important. Um, you know, I, I think the best example of that in recent years was Omaha in 2021. Omaha had three of the four 
top home run hitters in minor league baseball. They had Bobby Witt Jr., they had MJ Melendez, and they had Nick Prado. Vinny Pasquantino is also on that team. Those are four guys that are going to factor into the Kansas City Royals' plans for the next six years, if not beyond, if they hand out extensions to them. So, you know, you're looking at these guys come up together, and you immediately have excellent camaraderie between those guys. And you can see it on social media. It's very present. Um, I, I think all these guys coming up together in waves can certainly help that. And I'll tell you this. If Andy Rodriguez can catch a 102-mile-an-hour sinker from Luis Ortiz – and then 98 upstairs, high spin, great fastball. He can catch any fastball on planet Earth. He's dealing with those on back-to-back nights. Yeah, and to, to me, I just I kind of think about uh, what it's been the process since Ben Sherrington's been here is to kind of keep some of these guys together. He's always talked about the importance of you know guys vying for championships in, in Bradenton and in Greensboro. You know, not this past season, but the, in the previous season. Yeah. And and to to build that camaraderie and to you know build the competition and to make a good clubhouse is is something that you know there's something to be said for that because when people are talking about you know getting back to where the pirates were good in you know 23 24 and I'm in in 15 13 14 and 15 yeah. a lot of the stuff that was talked about was the energy and within that clubhouse and that the team finally said, okay, now it's time for us to compete. It's not, you know, Ben Charrington willing it from above and saying, okay, guys, now it's time to compete. I've, you know, we're, we're out of that and we're in our window or even a guy, you know, like a, a Derek Shelton, who's the field manager, him saying that, no, the guys in the clubhouse have to believe, yeah, now it's time for us to compete. So there's, there's something to be said about that building that clubhouse culture. Yeah, and if we've learned anything from the Dodger-Yankee-Met dilemma, it's that a $200 million payroll does not guarantee a World Series championship, man. I mean, 2020, we see the Dodgers win. There was nobody in the stands until you got to the postseason, and the Dodgers you know, still somehow won it and got there, thankfully because they were overwhelmingly healthy, and you could have Julio Arias close out that World Series. The Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. They're always top five in payroll. The Mets believe it when I see it when they win the World Series. You know, they have that much money committed to however many guys, and they've got DeGrom and Scherzer as the front one, too. They still lose the wild card series to San Diego. Let's see the Padres win the World Series with Bogarts, Tatis, Machado, and Juan Soto all on the same team. And you've got over $100 million committed to Musgrove and you Darvish in that rotation. There is not, you know, obviously there's a direct correlation between spending money and winning, but there's not a direct correlation between spending money and winning the World Series. Where is the direct correlation with winning the World Series? It's in clubhouse culture. The Atlanta Braves in 2021 had absolutely excellent clubhouse culture. And this team hasn't won it. But speaking to your point about preaching championships, preaching winning at the minor league level, one of the most successful organizations over the past decade has been the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa is always in the postseason. They are always knocking on the door with a roster that is defeated by many on paper in the preseason. How do they do that? They do that because they win at every level. And you go year by year, you look at the standings in each of those respective leagues, every Rays affiliate is at or near the top of their division, of their league, every single year. I think it was 21, every affiliate won their league's title. Can't make that up. 
that's insane, man. That's that's definitely something to to be said. And I'm pretty sure that we're gonna have a lot to say this season. I I had to cancel my trip to the to the Vic unexpectedly last year, but I'm looking to make it out there again this year. Hopefully, making it down to Greensboro for the first time. Everybody knows I'll be out in Altoona at least once a month. Yeah. Uh, down in Bradenton at least once this year. Uh, but but Jack, you know what, man? It it was great talking to you. Great to you know for those that don't, you need to go follow him on Twitter. It's at Jack underscore McMullen eleven. Go follow Just Baseball uh, Media. Those guys are doing a, a great job out there. I think it's Aram Layton. Uh, is is one of the other guys extremely knowledgeable about all baseball, all the everything in the minors. You guys are doing a great job over there. Uh, so, and I mean, just get ready for uh, minor league news and brews uh, throughout the season, and we'll be talking about stats, meaningful baseball. But everybody knows as Jack disappears, what time it is. It is time for some beer reviews. A I was out in Chicago last weekend and tried to get my wife to make a trip through Indianapolis, go go down the southern route, but we had to rush home and you know, kids don't like to sit in the car for that long. I wanted some Sun King. I need me some Sun King. I had to get something. I'm cheating again here, guys. I know it's a little bit further away from Indianapolis, but this is has been possibly my favorite brewery um, for the past, oh God, five, six, seven years. It's some three Floyds, guys. It's some three Floyds. And I've to tell you the truth, of this four-pack that I got, because everybody knows I review four beers, I hadn't had three of these. I guess I was just drinking way too much zombie dust and too much gumball head. I'm not going to take my wife's gumball head. She's got her six-pack in there. So, guys, I am going to be reviewing. And this is what I've been sipping on during this whole show here. It's a jinx-proof lager. And, I mean, I, I know that I have some lighting issues. i got to work on that. But Three Floyd's cans are absolutely – they have great names, everything like that. Everybody knows I operate on the weighted based on batting average system, 400 being the best. I hopefully don't get any 100s down there. But for a lager, for me, there's not much better than this one. I knew it was going to be good. It's from Three Floyd's. I'm giving it, you know – probably a, a 400 batting average, but you know, they got to adjust it with the weighted goes down to about a 350. Oh man. Got to get zombie dust out of the way. Zombie dust. I've been drinking this and and I make my wife stop at a, a Benny's out there in Chicago or whatever it would be on the way out just to get a six pack of zombie dust. I don't know if you can give something like a 450 or a 500, but this is definitely, you know, top of the line. IPA for me, uh, I'll give it the 450 adjusted. The weighted will be our first 400 batting average. Our Honus Wagner, I'm going to have to put that one up there. And what did they do? What did they do? They made zombie ice. They did a double zombie dust. I mean, they went triple undead. I mean, they are like going crazy with this thing. So good. But as everybody knows, the double IPAs, I'm getting a little bit older here, guys. I have one of these, and I just want to go take a nap. Not a bad thing. Great taste in beer. This one's coming in 425 adjusted to a 375. 
The last one we have here is the Three Floyds Barbarian Haze IPA. Love the hazy IPAs, not for everybody. This one's coming in 375, adjusted to around a 325. Definitely liked it, uh, but it can't compete with, with the originals. Uh, and like I said, everybody, going to be doing some live podcasts coming up here. We're going to be doing the home opener uh, from Allegheny City Brewing. I'm uh, going to be doing uh, from Patrick's Pub next week for the, the actual opener, opening day. I'm uh, going to be still talking minor league baseball, still going to be reviewing stuff. Going to be getting to out to Altoona, getting out to hopefully Indianapolis and, and test tasting those beers. And just to let everybody know, I'm going to be out in St. Louis for the second uh, weekend of the season. Going to be doing some urban chess, not going to be broadcasting live from there because it's not just the the beers around the minor league ballparks. It's, you know, it's brews from wherever you would go and wherever you could drive to. So for everybody that doesn't, uh, please follow uh, Bucks in the Basement. Please follow at Bucks Basement, Meyer League News and Brews, Inside the Bucks Basement, coming out with prospect articles. I write, you know, at least two prospect articles a week, uh, a top five. I also do a through the prospect portal uh, every Thursday. Uh, and let's go Bucks. Let's go Indians. Let's go Curve. Let's go Hoppers. And let's go Marauders. <laughs>